Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today, we're going to be talking about charitable planning, and the title of this podcast is Charitable Planning Can Be a Win-Win-Win. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you, Eric? Doing fantastic. We are into 2019, well into 2019 at this point, and I love the topic of charitable planning. It's really something that speaks to my heart. So I'm excited about today's topic, and it can be a win-win-win. So we got three wins. Where are these wins coming from? <laughs> well, I'll talk a little bit about that as we move through All right. It. Sounds good. Uh, and I just wanted to start our conversation today really kind of setting the scene for my own personal feelings about charitable planning and why it's so important. All right. I start off with just thinking how much we have to be thankful for. You know, we live in this great country. It's free. It's democratic. We have a fairly high standard of living. We know it's not a perfect place, but if you ask me, the USA is a pretty good place to live. So just by living here, I think we're all pretty darn lucky. Yeah. And personally, I've been lucky. I I was brought up by two loving parents who valued family, friends, education. We were middle class, but we lived in an affluent community and Mm -hmm. had great schools and we had great friends and it was just a wonderful place to be. And while we had our share of challenges, like every family, much was given to us. We were really taught to appreciate this good fortune. If I think about my place in the world, I've been given much compared to many. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to share my personal point of view when it comes to being a steward of our family's good fortune. And I think my wife and I are very fortunate. And as stewards, I would say we've been really careful and responsibly managing our planning over the last 33 years. We've lived within our means and we've taken care of all our wants and needs. And we think we've done a good job. Meeting those goals. At the same time, we've also always wanted to help our community. We want to give to organizations that help others and that share our values. It's really been an important part of us and our planning. And we, we think about this annually. So not only do we want to be good stewards of our own financial resources, Mm -hmm. but we also want to be stewards of our community. Yeah. So we start off each year making sure we meet our needs for today and tomorrow. And then we also include our community and the groups and organizations that we value. Yeah, no, that's great. And usually, I mean, quite honestly, if we look at where somebody's charitable intent comes from or their heart's desire, it's usually taught to them, right, by by their parents. I'm assuming that you had some pretty good influence and your wife had some pretty good influence as you guys grew up. How do you share that philosophy and how do you connect with your clients on that? How does that fit into your clients' plans when they're charitably inclined or if they're interested in being charitably inclined and maybe it's something that you're shaping them? Yeah, it's a great question. To me, it all comes back to this long-term planning approach that we take with, with our clients. And really our focus is on what's important to each family. We start off a planning engagement trying to answer the question, are you okay? 
and can you meet all of your objectives? Mm -hmm. And part of that is just asking, is annual giving part of your plan? Are charities, are you involved in charities? And if not now, when might you want to give to charity? Is that in 10 years, in 20 years, or do you, are you waiting till you die? Mm. Is it something you even want to do? And if not, you know, that's okay. We all have our own personal values and we all have our own personal goals and objectives. And if that's just not something that you want to do, well, we'll just cross it off the goal list. Mm -hmm. And if you're not ready to make that decision now, that's okay too. So some of our clients that are a wealth building or accumulation mode may not feel quite ready to dive into it, Mm -hmm. but at some point they might. So if you do want to include charity in your planning, let's talk about what your ultimate goal is. Mm -hmm. What do you want your dollars to do for your community? How might that happen? Are you looking for any recognition? Is that important to you? Do you want to be a big fish in a little pond? Meaning, do you want your gift to be very much targeted? And would that make a huge difference? So maybe giving to a small charity. Mm -hmm. Are you happy with incremental benefits to help existing programs or, you know, be a small fish in a big lake. Mm-hmm. So for example, your, your public radio station or the Jimmy fund, which is a local cancer organization here, those are very large charities and the contribution that you make will make an incremental benefit, but it won't make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So for our higher net worth clients that want to make that serious impact, we might actually refer them to an independent charitable consultant that can work with the family. We find that to be very, very helpful. Oh, that's great. Hey, I, I want to ask you about some specific examples in a minute, but I also want to bring up something else that maybe we can chat about, maybe this podcast or another. But I think that people's ideas tend to change, and that's the beauty of having a financial advisor to walk along this journey with you, is when you're in the earning phase, 40s, 50s, you're busy, you're working hard, and you're, you're having a big impact on your family, and maybe you've got a lot of charitable intentions, and maybe at that point in your life, you're thinking, all right, I want to give this big lump sum when I die to my favorite charities, right? And they, they want to split it or whatever. But I think that that can probably change, and I've seen that change in people when they've retired. Now they're not going to work all the time. Maybe they want to get involved in some charitable work with their favorite charities, and see the impact of their dollars at the same time, maybe they're doing some volunteering. Do you see that kind of happen, Peter, at times? Oh, absolutely. Everyone uses their time and their energy and some give, some make financial gifts and other others give with their time and expertise. Yeah. And they're both really, really important to a lot of organizations. That's awesome. Can, can you give us some, that. yeah, yeah. Can you give us some examples about how charitable planning can be integrated with pretty much anybody's financial plan? Absolutely. I'll, what I'll do is describe a few situations and then solutions, and that, that'll help people understand what options that yeah. are, are available to them. That sounds good. To charitable giving. Uh, but first, let me just stress that these concepts are only appropriate if you're really charitably inclined. People who are looking for tax benefits only might not want to make gifts to charity if they're really just not concerned about charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be the, part of their, their primary objective. Yeah. And then second, I, I won't go into tremendous details relative to tax deduction planning. I've already discussed this in previous series of podcasts. That's the, the podcast we call Tax Planning as a Year-Round Process. Mm-hmm. And I suggest our listeners uh, listen to those again. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, definitely. They, they were very detailed, so that's great. 
Yeah. So let me uh, give a specific situation. Here's an example of a client, the Jordans, and they've determined they want to give $5,000 per year to charity. They're on target to meet their own planning goals. And the, that annual $5,000 gift satisfies their charitable intentions. So the simplest approach is to make an annual gift to the charities of the choice. And that's often done. However, from a tax planning perspective, they may not be able to itemize those charitable deductions due to the tax act that was effective January 1st in 2018. Mm -hmm. So if their total itemized deductions don't exceed the standard deduction of $12,000 for a single taxpayer and $24,000 for a joint taxpayer, they may not be able to itemize. Mm -hmm. We need to talk to our clients about that and make sure they understand that the tax benefits may be limited in 2018 and 2019 and so on. Got it. So in this situation, the Jordans are both over age 70 and a half. And one advantage that they have being 70 and a half is they can make a gift directly from their IRA, their individual retirement account. This type of distribution is called a qualified charitable distribution and it counts toward the Jordan's required minimum distribution that they have to make each year mm -hmm. to satisfy the IRS. So the distribution is going directly to their charitable organization and is not taxable to the Jordans, which is like getting a full charitable deduction. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So there's only two requirements. Number one, the annual distribution needs to be less than $100,000 per person, and you have to be over age 70 and a half. So that's a, a very popular form of giving these days for those clients that are over 70 and a half. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, extremely beneficial. It really can be, yeah. Another option for those that are younger than 70 and a half is to batch multiple year years of charitable donations into one year. All right. So this gets a little complicated, but by doing this, the Jordans might be able to itemize because their deductions might exceed the standard deduction, that $24,000 standard deduction. So for example, they could give $50,000 to charitable organizations in one year. And assuming the 50,000 doesn't exceed the adjusted gross income limitations for cash gifts, the Jordans can use the full charitable donation deduction plus other allowable deductions like state, income taxes and property taxes. Mm -hmm. Got it. That's a, a way to, to really maximize the efficiency of your deductions. But a lot of our clients, they really want to spread their charitable giving over many years. They don't want to give one large gift and then wait many years. They want mm -hmm. to do it on an annual basis, it's part of their giving. And, and frankly, the charitable organizations like that as well. Yeah. So if this is their objective, they might want to use a kind of a conduit charitable organization called a donor advised fund. And in this case, it's a public charity with the specific intent of funding charitable gifts. For example, the Jordans would be the donor and they could make an irrevocable charitable gift to a specific donor advised fund. Mm -hmm. They would get a full tax deduction in the year they make the gift. 
and the funds could be invested in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and could be managed like any other investment account. Okay. So based on the Jordan's timetable, they could then recommend grants to qualified charities. All right. So in this example, the Jordans could make grant recommendations of $1,000 to five different charities each year for 10 years. That totals 50000 That's a way to spread those gifts out over many years. Got it. Okay. If the funds grow inside the donor advised fund, they might actually be able to make larger gifts. That's great. Yeah. Donor advised funds are really flexible. They've become very popular. They can accept all kinds of assets like stocks, bonds, real estate. Many clients give highly appreciated securities to donor advised funds. When they give a stock that's appreciated in value to the fund, the client may get a full deduction on the market value of the security and they won't have to pay any capital gains tax. So there's lots of advantages. Mm -hmm. The donor advised fund would then sell that security. And because it's a charitable organization, there won't be any capital gains tax due upon the sale and the funds could be reallocated and and diversified and well-managed. Got it. Sounds like the client themselves has a lot of control. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Tremendous control. Good. The donor advised fund is especially attractive for people that want to make large gifts, especially in a year they have really high income. And this would allow them a a tax deduction when they're in the highest marginal tax bracket. Mm -hmm. So we really like donor advised funds. We talk to all of our clients about them and recommend that at least they establish one and have it available for planning purposes. Yeah, that's great. All right, Peter, that's great. Now, can you give us another example? Sure. Here's a a client, the Kellys, who are charitably inclined. They want to include charity in their estate plan. They don't necessarily want to make a large irrevocable gift now, but they're comfortable leaving it to charity uh, when the second of the Kellys passes away. The Kellys are financially comfortable. They're confident they can meet their goals. They inherited a million dollars of Chevron stock from a parent 20 years ago. Isn't that nice? Yeah, that'd be nice. (laughs) And the stock has very little cost basis. It's paying a good dividend, but it represents a large percentage of their net worth. And they become more and more concerned about concentrating risk in one company like that. Great Mm -hmm. company, but they've just seen throughout the years, companies that are good companies have problems and that affects their stock price. And they just don't want to be subject to that kind of volatility. Mm -hmm. They'd love to diversify, but They also realize that if they sell the stock, they might have to pay state and federal taxes that exceed 25%. Mm, And they don't want to give up that income from the security, but they also don't want to lose 25% to taxes. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody who does like losing 25% to taxes. No, that's for sure. (laughs) So in the planning process, we talked about their goals and their charitable intentions, and we talked about options. And I suggested they consider utilizing a charitable remainder trust to meet their goals. Mm -hmm. So in this case, they could establish a a tax-exempt irrevocable trust. An attorney would have to draft it. The trust could pay the Kellys an income stream for a specific period of time or for their lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And after that specified time or after they're both deceased, whatever is remaining in the trust would go to their charity or charities of choice. Yeah, that's nice. They could also name their donor advised fund as the beneficiary. And then they, their kids could make charitable grants from the donor advised fund for their lifetimes. Wow, that's good. See how you can 
flexibly use the donor advice fund in a planning situation. Yeah, no, and it, and it helps the kids as well, obviously. Yeah. So in this case, the, the Kellys would be retaining an income stream for a period of time. Usually, I, we, we set it up that it's often for life. Mm-hmm. And because of that, because they're retaining this income stream, the IRS doesn't allow them to take a full charitable deduction on the market value of their Chevron stock. Mm-hmm. So in this case, if they were to establish a charitable remainder trust and gift $500,000 of stock to the trust, they might receive only a $100,000 charitable deduction. Okay. And because of the income limitations, they may not be able to use the whole deduction amount in year one, but it could be carried over and deducted in the five succeeding years. Got it. Okay. So they don't lose it. So this Chevron stock could then be immediately sold. No tax consequences to the Kellys because it's in this irrevocable tax-exempt trust. Mm-hmm. And then the proceeds could be diversified in a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds that would provide much less risk and, and more income to the Kellys than the Chevron Texaco stock. Got it. Yeah, it would be a lot safer if it's diversified like that. Yeah, absolutely. That was a primary motivation for them. hmm We talked about this strategy. The Kellys liked it, but they were a little concerned about their children receiving less inheritance. Mm -hmm. So we talked about purchasing a life insurance policy that would provide a death benefit of $500,000 to their children when they both die. Mm -hmm. In this case, the policy could be owned by an irrevocable insurance trust, and the proceeds from the death benefit would be income and estate tax-free when paid. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So there is a life insurance premium. So there's a cost of this, but that could be partly paid via the charitable deduction that they receive and the the enhanced income from their trust. Mm-hmm. So I think of that as a win for the Kellys, for their children, and ultimately for the charities that will benefit. Yeah. So there's lots of these kinds of charitable trusts. They're often utilized, but they're specific to each individual situation. And they definitely need to work with a professional advisor to help determine what's most appropriate for them. Yeah. That specific scenario sounds pretty complicated. (laughs) I mean, it's obviously, like you said, you've got to work with a professional advisor. You've got to break down exactly what's best for you, your children, your grandchildren, the charity, taxes, income. There's so many things to consider. What about those that aren't in a situation where they received a million dollar inheritance or maybe they did, but they just don't want something that complicated? Are there less complicated options for people that are charitably inclined, but are a little nervous about all the stuff that they have to go through in this scenario? So we've just really scratched the surface of complexity here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Charitable planning is really important and it is vital that we engage the, the clients, tax and legal professionals when discussing charitable planning. It's Mm -hmm. just really important, especially in light of the 2018 change to the tax law. Oh, yeah. But I will say oftentimes larger charitable organizations like a university, a hospital, they'll actually have charitable professionals on staff to help structure these kinds of, of gifts. It is complicated, but there's lots of help out there for our clients. Yeah, definitely. I think simple is okay, too. (laughs) So so there's lots of ways to give and make it simple. The donor advised fund is actually a really simple structure Mm -hmm. and inexpensive. 
and you don't need a lot of money to establish it. Yeah. So that, that's why we often have those in place and clients fund them with minimal amounts and then over the years may or may not use them. Yeah, the bottom line, it sounds like to me, once you've had this conversation or once somebody sits down in your office and has this conversation, you give them options, you kind of show them what the possibilities are, but really you guys do all the work. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we, we really do. Yeah, and so I, I think it it may sound complicated, but that's exactly why they engage you. It's not like they're having to do all these complications themselves. So I think that's another win on the list. Yeah, and I will say that for those clients that are charitably inclined and, and want to be talking about this on an annual basis, it's really fun for them. Mm-hmm. And they enjoy getting into the details. Got it. So let me just describe a, a simple example Sure. This is a client, Alice Morton, and she wants to leave $50,000 to her church when she dies. Sounds simple enough, yeah. but how does she do it? What's the best way to do that? Mm-hmm. So I suggested she utilize her IRA for this purpose. She can establish a new IRA, transfer $50,000 to it. She'll name the church as the beneficiary. And this works great for her kids since they won't have to pay any income tax on this IRA, mm-hmm. which IRAs are oftentimes the most tax inefficient asset in a client's estate. Got it. So it's a really simple and easy solution. She could also, if she doesn't want to do that, she could amend her will and name her church as a beneficiary. She could change the beneficiary of her life insurance policies. Mm -hmm. And the death benefits could be paid directly to the church. Nice. Yeah, those seem pretty simple, but still, obviously, you would suggest, and so would I, getting a professional involved to help you set that up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Most importantly, it's how does your objective integrate with your overall plan? Yeah. And that's, I think, what I want listeners to really appreciate and understand that integration is vital. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I want to make sure that everybody out there understands that, Peter, you and your group aren't necessarily pushing that people give, give, give to charity. I know a lot of We see commercials all the time from charities asking for donations, asking for help. You can sponsor this child. You can save this puppy, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, We we get a lot of that in the media. But really, you guys are the neutral party in a way, helping them to understand what are your goals and how do we just make it the best possible fit for what your goals are. And if you're charitably inclined, beautiful, because there's lots of strategies that can help you fulfill what I would term as a soul need, right? It's in your soul that you want to give to charity. And if you are not charitably inclined, there's lots of tax advantages and lots of tax strategies that you can share with them as well that aren't necessarily going to be revolved around charity. It's all about opening the conversation and discussing what your goals and your desires are so that you can help and your team can help them fit that into the in, into the best plan for them. Exactly. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Any closing thoughts for today? Yeah, I mean, this really can be a, a win-win-win for our clients. Number one, it's a great way to share our financial wealth mm-hmm. and our values with those that are less fortunate or organizations that share our values. So that's a win for our community. Yeah. It can offer donors um, some interesting benefits like, tax benefits or enhanced income, diversification, less risk. So that's a feature that should be considered. And those advantages are real. Mm -hmm. And finally, and this to me is really important. It's a great way to pass on values to our children and grandchildren. Important to have these discussions and let them know what, what you're doing, what you're considering, 
how these vehicles help their community. And in that way, I think our clients are really able to pass on values because it's what's important to them. And then their children and grandchildren see that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the biggest one of all. I think so too. All right. Hey, thank you, Peter, for your time. I appreciate all the good info. Thank you, Eric. You bet. And thank you all for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. It also makes this much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.